Welcome to Faith Community Church of Indianapolis. We pray that you are blessed by this message from Pastor John Roberts. To learn more about Faith Community Church, please visit us at FCCIndianapolis.com. We're going to look at verse 9 and 10, but let's read down through there. Uh, Starting in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. Verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption. Again, that's... um, that word there means he bought, he paid the ransom price. He bought us out of death and hell through his blood. That was the price. And not only did he do it, but verse 8, which he, the riches of his grace, he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And the last time we were here, those two words, wisdom and prudence, one is Sophia. The wisdom is Sophia, which is, the best description I saw came from William Barclay, where he said, Sophia describes um, wisdom towards godly things and spiritual things. Where the, the, the next one that's translated prudence in New King James, and I can't remember the, the Greek word that's translated there, but it's, it describes more of a practical uh, knowledge, how to live your life. So God's not only given us um, knowledge and wisdom about heaven and spiritual things, but he also, it, it includes wisdom and knowledge about how to run our life. He doesn't just want you to flounder and not be prosperous and not know how to do things. He wants you to do both. He wants you to have a great spiritual relationship with him, but then be a very successful person in this world and it's there's not a because i've heard people say well those all the blessings that he give are spiritual blessings that we'll see later on well there's a truth to that but he also wants to bless me right here and right now he wants me to be success um, he, you know and 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 that doesn't mean he wants us all to be multi-millionaires but he does want us all to have all of our needs met and to not live in poverty and not live and and i guess poverty is um relative in fact i heard i was shocked by this but i heard somebody 
um, quoted. He was it was a political debate, and um, this guy said that uh, because they were talking about um, we everybody needs to accept the gay and lesbian lifestyle because their um, their suicide rate is so high, and if we just accepted them and loved them, their suicide rate wouldn't be high. And this guy started giving details, and he said, when you look around the world, the only countries that have a significant suicide rate are first world countries. Almost nobody commits suicide in third world countries. The, the abject poor never think of killing themselves. It's only the people that are affluent that think of suicide, and it's really not it's more a, a function of, I think I should be doing better, but because I've got, I'm doing so well, I can sit around and think about how miserable I am. And, and I realize there are, you know, there are demonic things that go into suicide, and there are, there are genuine depressive issues that, that drive people to suicide. But I just found it astonishing that the truly, desperately poor, the people that live on, you know, a dollar a week, you know, live in hovels around the world, they almost never commit suicide. And it, it just, um, and for us as Christians, that's not what he has for us. Anyway, we get to verse 9. All of this, the riches of his grace that he's made to abound towards us, that is in, included with that. In verse 9, he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. This mystery of his will, in fact, let me read Barclay's um, translation of this because William Barclay's doctrine, he got off really bad at the, at the end of his life. He became a universalist. But the, the man, he had, when it came to the Greek and how he translated, his translations just, wow, it just makes great sense. But starting in, um, um, well, I'm going to start in verse 7 because in the way he, it, it just makes more sense to read it all together. This is Barclay's translation. He says, For it is in him that we have a deliverance which cost his life. In him we have received the forgiveness of sins, which only the wealth of his grace could give, a grace which he gave us in abundant supply and conferred on us all wisdom and all sound sense. This happened because he made known to us the once hidden but now revealed secret of his will. For so it was his good pleasure to do. The secret was a purpose which he formed in his own mind before time began, so that the periods of time should be controlled and administered until they reached their full development, a development in which all things in heaven and on earth are gathered into one in Jesus Christ. And that kind of take, deals with the, the dispensation. It's just the periods of time. But this mystery of his will, part of that mystery where he says it's something that used to be secret but is now revealed, if you look at Romans 16, 
It's the very last few verses of, of the letter to the Romans. This is what Paul says. He says now, and this is kind of his benediction prayer. He says, To him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. Part of that mystery was the church age. I said it before, and I don't, I can't, I don't, on the top of my head, I didn't, didn't think to look up any examples. If you go and read in Old Testament prophecy and you find references to the first coming of Christ, the Lamb of God, in those references you will usually have a reference to the Lamb coming, and without any pause, you'll have a reference to a second coming, the Lion of Judah. That's why the, the disciples were so confused. If you think about it in um, the book of Acts at the very beginning, when Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, they looked at him and said, well, Lord, when's your kingdom coming? <laughs> and I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, wait a minute, you're leaving us and the Romans are in charge. <laughs> when are you going to kick the Romans out? When are we going to go into this millennial reign? When are you going to go cleanse, cleanse the temple and we're going to start and rule and reign? And he said, guys, just go to Jerusalem, go to a room, sit down, shut up, do nothing until the Holy Spirit shows up. And then immediately what they do, they, went, they got in the room and they had a business meeting and elected, um, I forget his name now, the disciple to replace um, Judas so they would have 12, and I have no doubt that that probably was not God. My personal opinion, and it's just my opinion, I think Paul was very clearly the replacement for Judas. <laughs> but um, it was, the, the mystery was that if, and this was God's plan, Satan thought, if I can kill Jesus... I got it. I got it. I've, I've defeated God. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to win this. What he didn't realize, and, and Jesus said this, he said, lest, you know, unless I go as a seed, well, what was the crop out of his seed? 2,000 years of Christians. And if you think about it, I forget what year it was, but it was sometime in the late 70s, uh, the statisticians came up with this odd little fact that with the population of the earth in the late 60s, there were more people, or late, late 70s, there were more people alive at that point in history than had ever existed in the entire history of mankind. That's why when, when for years, prophets have been prophesying that the, the greatest revival to ever happen is going to happen right before Jesus comes back. Well, part of the reason that can happen is I mean, when, when Jesus was on the earth, I think the estimates of the world's population was maybe 40 million people in the entire planet. We've now got maybe, what, it's got to be approaching 7 billion and growing <laughs> pretty, pretty good clip. 
Well, of course we can have the greatest revival in the history of mankind because we got more people. In fact, you know, we, we, we moan and groan about how our society is going downhill and, you know, we want revival, and I do. I pray for revival Sunday. I, I man, the Lord just, that last, my ending prayer, I didn't plan, plan, on, plan on praying any of that. And I mean, an anointing fell on me to pray, pray that. And I really, I my to open my conscious desire is I want revival to start with me. And I want it to start here. Now I realize God may, he may start it in a hundred places, but if it's a hundred places, I want to be one of those hundred. But the greatest revival on the earth today is in China. People are getting born. I mean, reports are coming out of China by the untold thousands. People are, huh? Yeah, and it's, it's all underground because they, they're persecuted. Even read a report that in, um, Mo, not Mosul, it was an Iraqi city, the one that the, the one presidential candidate got in trouble because he didn't, he didn't know the name, and now I've lost the name. Um, it was one of the cities that was just absolutely being destroyed. But ISIS was in complete control of that city. Um, and they captured a, a group of Christians that, for some reason, had not fled. And they were lining them up and beheading them. Children, starting with the kids, if you don't re- renounce Christ, we're killing your child. And they just, they told their child, be brave. We will, I will see you in a little while. Cut their heads off. And while they're doing this, the, the adults are preaching the gospel to these people that are murdering them. Before they were done, half a dozen of the ISIS fighters got saved. Oh, really? They converted and uh, there are there are t- there's examples and people testimony are coming out of some of the big um, um, camps in Jordan where the the Syrians are fleeing to get away from the fighting, and these Muslims are getting saved. You know, I mean it's it's difficult because in those countries you get saved if you're open about it, you're disassociated from your family. You may lose your life, and um, but you lose everything else even if you don't lose your life. Well, that was Jesus' seed. When Jesus came out of the grave, suddenly Satan doesn't have one Messiah. He doesn't have one Christ. Suddenly he's got many Christians, which if you look at the translation in Acts, that word Christian means little Christs. And it's not that we are Messiahs, but we carry that 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 uh, anointing of the Messiah, and we preached the gospel, and suddenly Satan, I mean, it was like, it, it, it was worse than the old Greek uh, myth about, um, what was it, the hydra? You cut off one head and they grow two? <laughs> you know, it's like you kill one of us, three more spring up. You kill those, nine more spring up. It's like, it, it, he... In fact, I think the only thing he, he has been able to do, and it's been very effective, in the Western world, he finally just was able to convince Christian or Christians that they really didn't have to be different. That was the secret to destroying the Western church. And it hadn't destroyed all of us, but a lot of, just in Great Britain, I heard this little 
factoid on the radio the other day, and I think it was over the last decade, they have closed 500 churches and opened 300 mosques. And it's like, this is, this is Great Britain. The, it's, this is where, I mean, it's not the heart of Christianity, but they are, were a Christian nation. Yeah. And they're very quickly being um, Islamicized. All of, of Europe, you know, the continent is, is going through this change. And it's primarily because the church just got to the point where they didn't want to be different anymore. So they compromised. And they compromised their faith. And there are, I mean, you can't find a cathedral pretty much in, in uh, Europe. They're very rare that have services anymore. They're just monuments to the historical fact that we used to be Christian. They literally are in a post-Christian period. Here in the United States, there are still Bible-believing Christians. But you look at a lot of the um, older mainline denominations, they, they just don't preach the gospel. In fact, I, was, um, I went to do something this week and was just driving in a part of town that I'd never been in and was just kind of... I was sort of lost. I knew pretty much where I was, but I was just sightseeing. Drove past this, used as an old church, old brick church, like an old Baptist or, you know, from the built in the 50s. And big sign on the front of it had a big rainbow and said, the diversity church. <laughs> and when I read it, I thought, don't think I'd be welcome there. Don't think the gospel's probably welcome there. And I, I, I have a feeling that it's probably new age and we accept every lifestyle and you can do pretty much whatever you want to do. Wow, there's, um, in, in, in this world, in Paul's world, to become a Christian, instant, there, you were going to be persecuted, you had to be different from your world, where we've kind of lost that. But that was the mystery that suddenly there was going to be a new dispensation start where Paul describes it both in Galatians and Colossians, and you all are familiar with this. He says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. When it comes to being a Christian, God doesn't look at your sex, he doesn't look at your education, he doesn't look at your ethnic background, he could care less. You know, it's one, I, I guarantee you, God is not happy that we have black churches and white churches. Yeah. It's one gospel. Now, I know a lot of that, to be honest with you, a lot of that it revolves around worship styles more than anything else. But, but you're seeing that more of an intermix. Now. It is, and, 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 and it's one of the things that you look at this, you know, what happened in, um, was it Charleston? where the, the guy Came in there and broke in and yeah. killed that, that prayer group and wanted to start a race war. Well, it was the churches that rose up in that city. Because I guarantee you, there would have been riots in the streets had not the black churches rose up and said, we're not doing this. We're not giving in to this, the, the, to this side of our nature to want revenge. And the churches walked the love walk and, and the white churches and black churches came together 
and it, you know, um, they, they really did save that city because that thing could have erupted into, you know, horrible, horrible violence. As far as, as far as Paul was concerned and as far as God's concerned, he doesn't care. I mean, and, and the, the ironic part is this is one of the things that they've learned with genetics. If you look at the genetic code, people all the time I've heard them say, well, chimpanzees, they have 95% of the same genes that we do. You're right. But within the human population, as different as we are, even between male and female, if you look at the genetic code, the difference in the code from one individual to another individual is like 0.0001% difference. It, 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 it's when God looks at us, he's thinking, you're just human beings. <laughs> the race is a um, race really is a social construct. It, it has no basis in biology at all. There's just it doesn't. And it certainly doesn't have any basis in theology because that's part of what God what Paul's saying here. You guys are the church. And your status in the church has nothing to do with your economics, has nothing to do with your education, and has nothing to do with your race, and it has nothing to do with your sex. That's why I get, I, people get crazy when um, um, somebody here, you know, early on, we had one of the ladies was going to teach, pre preach from the pulpit. And they came to me and said, you're going to have to justify this because that's, I, that's not scriptural. And again, I wanted, I, I, I wanted to grab my head and say, oh, God, deliver me from ignorant people. Have you not read your Bible? Uh, but I was patient and, and handed him a book on the subject because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to take the time to deal with it. And then it wasn't a big book, and he went home and read it and said, oh, yeah, that's kind of changed my opinion. They're, you know. Praise you just got to be educated yeah. about it. Or yeah, about it. and it is. And, and part of it is there, there is, and this it shouldn't shock me, but it still shocks me, the ignorance that people have of what the Word actually teaches. Yeah. There is so much supposition in the church. Well, it, I had when I um, first, I didn't get saved. I got saved as a little kid, but I really rededicated my life and made a turnaround as an adult. And my friends that I taught with, I'd grown up with, got really worried about me. John's become a Bible thumper. I was going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and my church was 50 miles from where I lived. So I'm driving 50 miles on Wednesday evening to go to church, and it's like, you've lost your mind. And the one guy at school that was brave enough to come talk to me about it, um, the, the, um, he said something to me, and I quoted a scripture to him. He says, yeah, but you got to realize the Bible says, you know, that God helps those that help themselves. And, and at that point, I was, I was ignorant enough that I didn't know whether it really said that or not, but I went looking and, and come to find out that's not a scripture anywhere in the Bible. And, and most, of the, most of the proof uh, verses that people have quoted to, to me on their weird doctrines 
it's like, well, you're going to have to take me and show me where that is in the Bible. Well, it's in there. I said, well, okay, but, but where? And they've been raised with it, and they believe it, but it's not in the Scriptures. And if... Well, you uh, get a lot of that. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it, most of it comes from as um, Tevia in um, Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition, tradition. <laughs> God help us for our traditions. Probably our grandparents have said it to us. Oh yes. Oh, I'm sure. I know some of it. I've, I heard, uh, and one that just really uh, my, oh my flesh crawls when I hear it, um, is, um, you never know what God will do. Usually, when something bad happened in there, nobody understands why it happened, and they, they have to come up with some reason. Every time I sat at a funeral home burying somebody, I got that one. Honey, God won't put more on you than you can handle. It's like, well, I think he's got my load's pretty well, pretty well full right now. Thank you so much for joining us. If this message has blessed you today, we invite you to visit us in person at Faith Community Church or online at FCCIndianapolis.com.